Thank you for joining us for the third episode of the Xamarin Podcast. It's the Wednesday, 18th of September, and it's, you know, pretty funny day in terms of weather in Manchester. It's been rainbows and rain and sun all together. Um, how's, how's the weather where you are, Pierce? Uh, usual Alabama weather, really humid, really hot, pretty much the opposite of what you have. Very nice, very nice. It's nice to have a change sometimes. Um, some of the big news this week is that the uh, iOS 7 is finally out. So people um, who aren't developers can get the uh, iOS 7 onto their devices. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty excited to hear all my friends tell me about the things that they found on iOS 7 that I knew about two months ago. But I'm uh, I'm pretty excited. It's it's iOS 7 is a new change, and I'm a, I like change, so it'll be good. Yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty excited to see kind of what developers are doing with their apps because... Uh, now that iOS 7 is, is public, everyone's releasing their, their new apps. So um, I think I got an update for Foursquare and Shazam and things like that, and they're going that flat style. Um, and that's pretty exciting to see. I think we're going to talk a bit more about that later in the program. Um, but at the moment, um, last uh, last uh, Xamarin episode, we were talking about this announcement on the 10th of September, and of course that was the iOS 7 release. Um, something that also came about that was the iPhone 5C and 5S devices. Uh, what's your thoughts on those, Pierce? Uh, well, I've read a lot of the reviews and stuff, and it seems to be mixed. Of course, the Apple fanboys love it, and the ones who aren't Apple fanboys are skeptical. But uh, I like a lot of the upgrades. The hardware upgrades are really nice. Apparently, it's ridiculously fast. The camera upgrades are nice and everything like that. So, and the, the cheaper option's really nice. It's really going to open up a lot of uh, potential customers for developers. So I'm excited. Yeah, and, and they also added in on the iPhone 5S. That's the kind of the big powerful device. They added in um, some new core motion APIs. So if you, I think they added um, some things where you can do stuff like Fitbit or um, Jawbone Up, those sort of devices that track kind of walking and always constant movement added in these new APIs using this new M7 chip. Um, so I think that's going to really kind of allow developers to dig in and, and do some more interesting things that they haven't been able to do um, on iOS, where they may have been able to do that with say, a background task on Android. Um, and something else that um, has you know really uh, come up in my attention the last couple of weeks is um, a Android uh, emulator called Jenny Motion. Um, and this is actually based off um, the Oracle uh, Virtual Machine, it's similar to VirtualBox, um, and it's a way of basically allowing you to run um, the Android emulator in a much faster way. I know the um, Intel x86 emulators are available, um, but a lot of people recently are starting to kind of favor this over that. Um, and something that caught my attention as well was uh, Jesse Liberty, um, who is, you know, renowned for writing lots of different articles and, and books and uh, generally being a, a good good way of finding knowledge, um, wrote a nice blog post on actually how you can get Jenny Motion set up with the uh, with Xamarin Android. Um, so it's definitely worth checking that out. Yeah, and transitioning from that, uh, Jesse kind of spurring from that series, Jesse also recently got into Android development. Uh, from his post, he kind of mentions that uh, he saw his friends at Falafel, which we talked about in episode two of the Xamarin podcast, uh, working on iOS. So he was like, okay, well, I guess I'll do some Android work. He loves C-sharp, so figured Xamarin was a perfect fit. Started messing around, and uh, this is his journey into Xamarin and Android land, and it's been really interesting to see 
how he experiences things uh, as he walks through his first his first time in Android Land. So, yeah, and it's, it's a really nice getting started guide uh, with Xamarin Android. We see quite a few getting started with Xamarin to iOS, and it's nice to see people kind of getting started with with Xamarin Android. And I, I believe he's actually getting started with Xamarin Studio, um, which most people actually go for Visual Studio as they're much more familiar with Visual Studio. And it's a much easier kind of way of stepping up to the Android platform. So it's interesting to see Jesse actually opting for the Xamarin Studio there. Right, definitely. Um, but he said he's open to he's open to changes. So I guess we'll see what he sticks with moving forward. Yeah, and and you know you can always choose both as well. There's no reason to stick with one or the other. Um, I often switch between the two. So um, that'd be interesting to see. And yeah, so definitely worth checking out the article from Jesse there. Um, also, we found out um, that there's a Gone Mobile podcast. So there's another podcast that's related on kind of general um, information around .NET and mobile development. Um, it's a little bit more of a, a discussion, and this is created by uh, Nick Wise, John Dick, and Greg Shackles. Um, and you know, those names should be familiar to you. They're all Xamarin MVPs, and they're all producing great content um, for for Xamarin. And this is just another example of that. I believe they're getting ready to record their second episode as well. Um, so I'm looking forward to listening to that. Um, so I would check out their podcast as well. So keep listening to us. Um, but there's, you know, there's always nice to see other podcasts coming through and, and um, talking about mobile technologies and, and also using .NET in other places that may not be, you know, sticking to Windows, using them on mobile platforms, for instance. Definitely, and I, I think it fills a, a kind of a hole that we don't really fill in this podcast, and we don't really intend to fill on this podcast. We're not really a discussion podcast. We just try and get you latest Xamarin and mobile-related news, and they kind of fill the gap of, hey, the discussion thing. So I think the two can work very nicely as an interconnected group. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So kind of moving forward, uh, Wally McClure, who is a Xamarin MVP, uh, writes for Visual Studio Magazine, wrote a really good article uh, last week about creating a UI in Xamarin.iOS. And he talks about some of the various pros and cons of the different approaches, which there's actually a lot more than there used to be. So there's the typical approach of Xcode's interface builder, which if you're familiar with drag and drop UI building or stuff coming from the Windows world and, you, and you're familiar with that, then you might find that comfortable. Unfortunately, that also has issues as far as building very customized interfaces and it can get a little sloppy with the syncs and the support and such like that. And so he kind of outlined some other approaches as well. Uh, there's the Xamarin Desire, Designer for iOS, which is still in alpha, but uh, is working really nicely. Uh, you can load custom controls and stuff like that in there. So he talks a little bit about that, uh, as well as a programmatically created UI. Uh, Michael James of Xamarin also has a blog post about this. Um, he calls it imperative UIs, but it's the same thing. I actually uh, favor this approach. I think it gives you a lot of control over your UI. Uh, you can do a lot of different things. Animation and such like that is really easy. If you have a lot of different versions and you need to do different things, it's uh, also really easy to do stuff like that. Uh, the con with that, though, is you kind of have to know the ins and outs of each control as well as the layout system. So it's kind of a little more of an advanced approach. Uh, but I find it's usually best to kind of start with the visual uh, designers and move towards the programmatic uh, but like I said there's no silver bullet so whatever you find most comfortable I think is really the best option and then finally there's monotouch.dialog which is another like kind of coded UI option 
Uh, it's kind of simplifying UI table views if you're familiar with that. Uh, and Xamarin.iOS list views in Android is kind of this similar concept. Uh, it's not really talked about terribly much in the article, but Nick Wise also has a great talk on uh, monotouch.dialog and Evolve. It's great for prototyping, and you can really build some really, really customized uh, UI table views really easily uh, with monotouch.dialog. He actually uh, emulates the Kickstarter app, which has a lot of custom cells and stuff like that, and it's really cool to see how he uses monotouch.dialog to build such a really customized UI and not that much code. So uh, those are some options that uh, Wally outlined in his article. Chris, what do you usually find is best for you as far as creating UIs? Yeah, I normally stick with the uh, programmatical approach myself. Um, I normally find that just kind of gives me the most control. Again, you know, the sync between interface builder and, that, and having that in a version control system uh, can kind of get a bit hairy. Um, so doing everything in code generally uh, gets rid of that. Um, but also, you know, having having two different uh, UIs in, in Interface Builder actually makes it a little bit easier to see the changes and, and kind of know what you're going to get. Um, for my Days Until Christmas app, I, I used um, two different zip files, one for iPhone and one for iPad, and laid out most of the things um, in Interface Builder. So you can actually do both as well. You don't have to pick, I'm going to do everything in code or do everything on Interface Builder. You can kind of um, mix the two together so you, you do have that option as well right that's true uh, you don't want to make it harder than it needs to be I guess for certain things it would be best to say hey I'm just gonna draw drag a button here drag a table view here rather than making it harder on yourself uh, might as well take the easiest approach yeah and then you can kind of then do things in code when you you need to maybe move positions of things and and, and slightly tweak things if, if necessary right one of the uh, interesting apps that we saw come up on Twitter today, actually, um, was it was tweeted out by Miguel Diacaza of, of uh, CTO of Xamarin, um, and it's actually an app called Tink. Um, and at the moment, it's a Swedish app, and it's similar to if you if you're familiar with Mint.com, it's fam it's basically a way of tracking where you're spending your money, and, and you can connect it to banks and credit cards and things like that, and then view really easily just kind of where you're spending all your money. You spend it kind of going out and eating or buying buying things for presents or things like that. And it's just a really nice app. It's built using Xamarin. Um, they're going to be doing an Android version um, soon, I believe. And hopefully they, they say um, they're going to be launching in Europe. I think it got to one of the top apps in Sweden as well in the, in the last two days. Um, so that's really exciting to see. It looks like a really gorgeous app. Um, and they've really kind of gone to town on making it look like a real nice iOS 7 app. Um, so it's very flat UI. Um, some of the kind of the um, iconography is very clear um, and very clean. And it looks like you know, you've got the kind of semi-transparent um, kind of cells and things like that, which you'll see with iOS 7. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, this app um, in the flesh. I've only seen it on, on the video they have on their website. Um, I'm looking forward to see if it comes over to the UK so I can give it a try. And also it'd be interesting to see how the uh, Android version plays out as well. If, it, if it's going to be similar um, in that kind of more uh, flat UI that we've seen on, on Windows Phone and, and to an extent on, on Android phones as well. And with that iOS 7 kind of flat design, um, the iOS 7 features is something that you really want to add into your apps if you're, you're a developer and you kind of want to get your app Kind of featured or, or get more noticed. Um, so Xamarin actually today uh, released a bunch of like an introduction to iOS 7. 
Um, so there's a lot of new APIs. Um, and, you know, today's the day that iOS 7 is released um, publicly to everyone. And then there's already getting started documents and introduction on how you can use this within Xamarin. Um, as a kind of an example, you can go download the uh, Days Until Christmas app. I thought I might as well plug it while I, I have my own podcast. Um, and, I, you know, I did minimal changes for iOS 7. Uh, the biggest change that you can get with, um, with iOS 7 is really just recompiling your app. Um, if you have it on iOS, if you have an iOS 6 version of your app and then it moves on to iOS 7, they kind of keep stuff the same. Um, so the keyboards are all the same look, toolbars are all the same look, even though it's running on iOS 7. Um, so re even just recompiling, you then pick up the new iOS 7 design for your app. Um, like, so I have like a, an action, a UI action sheet on, on the app. So making it iOS 7 ready, it now looks like an iOS 7 action sheet rather than an iOS 6, uh, iOS 6 version. So um, go and check that out. It's live in the App Store. Hopefully you have already downloaded iOS 7 on your device. Um, so definitely uh, go and check out the app. So what's your, what's your strategy for, or did you update your whole app to an iOS 7 style uh, UI or are you maintaining two or what's your, what's your strategy with the UI? So what was interesting about the app, I actually joked when uh, iOS 7 came out that I'd updated Days Until Christmas for iOS 7 because I had ported the app originally from Windows Phone over to to iOS. Um, and so it kind of already had that flat UI, that kind of flat look, and the icons were all flat. And, um, so really I didn't have to do much to make it look more iOS 7. It was already kind of like that. So... Uh, luckily, I kind of had minimal changes that I needed to do to kind of fit in with iOS 7. Um, but some apps, if you're taking advantage of kind of the look and feel of iOS 6, it's going to be pretty much a bit more work for you to do to make it iOS 7. Definitely. And so kind of moving from that iOS 7 kind of new UI look, um, Nuclear iOS, uh, who, uh, whose product, uh, the company that makes that is called Infragistics, you probably heard of it, uh, released new controls for iOS 7 developers. So they support all the new, cleaner uh, visual styling. Uh, they have consistent look and feel between the Cocoa Touch controls and the Nuclear iOS controls. And so they're all fully tested, ready, battle tested, and ready to go on iOS 7, which uh, if you're doing any sort of charting or anything like that, uh, would definitely be great to have in your app. I believe that update is also reflected in the Xamarin Component Store. And so a lot of the content that we get on this show, we actually find uh, via Twitter. Um, so we see a lot of, of tweets going around. And, one, and we just want to mention a few of the tweets that we saw. Um, so there's a popular game called Fez, which in, originally is written for the Xbox Live Arcade. Um, and actually, um, we had Renard, um, who's on the uh, team for Fez. Uh, he actually tweeted out saying, Personal shout-out to Monogame team for making the whole Fez porting business possible without a rewrite and basically for free. So because they're using C Sharp and they were using um, XNA framework, they actually released a version of their... Um, Fez game for the Mac and I think maybe Linux as well um, so if you want to get hold of, of Fez you can sign up for the Humble Bundle which is, I think this is the reason why they um, originally originally wanted to port the app so it can support people on, on multiple platforms um, and, that, and also I think if you pay a little bit more money you can unlock Fez and also Bastion which is another mono game app um, and some, one of the interesting things is uh, Renard went and did a talk called Cubes All the Way Down, 
um, at the, the games um, developer conference, so GDC. Um, and I think the video is up online somewhere as well. So if you're interested in games and using C Sharp on games, I definitely recommend you go and watch that talk. Um, and also, I think the slides are up on, on, his, um, on his blog as well, so we'll link you to that. Um, and, you know, kind of sticking with the theme on Monogame, um, this kind of took a lot of people by surprise. Um, you may have heard of a guy called Buzz Aldrin. Um, I think he was the second man on the moon. Um, he actually tweeted to someone saying, I'm not much of a gamer. Um, I'm having enough trouble landing the Cessna 172 with infinite flight on my iPad. Um, and in case you didn't know, that infinite flight is a monogame uh, app and it uses uh, Xamarin.iOS and Xamarin Android and, and the Windows Phone platform underneath the hood. Um, and so it's really nice to see people such as Buzz Aldrin, uh, you know, using using Xamarin on, on their iPad. So um, it was really nice to see a shout out from, from Buzz Aldrin about that. Yeah, go America. And kind of going off kind of from the games, um, we actually saw a really interesting article about someone using uh, Xamarin.Android with F-Sharp to, uh, to basically talk to their car, uh, which sounds kind of scary. Uh, I don't think I'd want to do that myself. Um, but yeah, so they managed to program their car um, using a toolkit called OpenXC um, and Xamarin Android and F-Sharp. And I think they said they managed to convert their Java code that they were originally using from about 7,000 lines and again that down to about 600 lines of F-Sharp F sharp code, um, so that was really interesting to see. Yeah, it's nice to see more F sharp articles come up too. Because to be honest, I don't really know that much about it, and so this is like a really cool thing. You have talking to your car, which in itself is really cool, and then you have mobile, and you have working with Android. Then you have F sharp too, which is like a new language. It's functional. It's in a .NET community, so a .NET framework. So it's pretty cool to see three cool new things. Well, not really new things, but three cool things all into one. Uh, so that's definitely an article that I would want to check out. Some of the apps that we see uh, that come across through Twitter, um, we saw Will, Will Seth, is his name on Twitter, um, tweeted saying he just released a, a new app. And it's for a service called Flavorous. And it's a, basically a way that you can go on and, and create events that you want to uh, create and kind of manage ticket sales and allow people to print off tickets at home, um, but not have to go through a, a big kind of ticket provider. So it's a really nice service. And what this app does is it allows you to actually manage um, selling your tickets and finding out, you know, how many people are coming to your event. Um, through, they call it the uh, Flavorous Box Office. So it's a way of doing this from your um, iOS device. It's a really gorgeous app. Again, it's very similar to the iOS 7 theme that we keep seeing with new apps coming about. People are definitely focused on that. Uh, kind of hate to say it, but kind of the metro look and feel, which is kind of from the Windows world. Um, it's a really nice app, um, so definitely check it out if you're using the flavorous, um, using the flavorous service. Yeah, even if you're looking for design inspiration, it's a really, really beautiful app, as Chris mentioned, and it takes after a lot of those flat UI design concepts. We also like to cover uh, new projects that we find on Twitter and various places, GitHub. Uh, so this week, there's a really, really cool open source project called uh, Android.Console, which basically allows you to turn uh, your Android app into like a console looking app and it's really cool. It actually looks like a console and so what it does is it intercepts all the system.console class calls that you make and uh, writes them out or reads them or whatever 
And uh, so it's pretty cool. There's a lot of really cool uh, things I feel like you could do with it. Uh, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, there's a, there's a, I mean, the code's up on GitHub, so you can go down and check it out and you can kind of build out from it however you please. And, and it kind of reminds me of the, the very old kind of um, console um, story games, like the tech story games where it's like, go, go west, go east, go south, um, slay dragon, those sort of things. Um, so it's probably a nice app that you can take and, and you know, you're kind of limited because it's on the console, but I think that also kind of engages you and, and allows you to kind of be a bit more creative with, with what you have. Um, so I think that's definitely an interesting project to to download and, and grab the code and compile and, and see kind of what you can create from it. We also like to keep a, an eye out on the component store. There's usually a whole bunch of new things that come up every single week, uh, components.xamarin.com. Uh, for all platforms, everything from SDKs to UI controls. Uh, so this week, Couchbase uh, released Couchbase, Couchbase Lite, uh, which they describe as a lightweight, document-oriented, so if you've heard of NoSQL, that's what this is, NoSQL, uh, syncable database engine. So basically, um, you can have a database on your within your app that's local, and then there's also a a remote database which uh, the data from your local database will sync automatically and it handles all that for you. It seems like a really really cool control that I'm definitely going to have to play around with some more. Uh, Chris do you have any more things to say about that? Yeah and, and there was also a Couchbase um, conference over in San Francisco this week and I believe uh, Nat Friedman the CEO of Xamarin um, was there um, on, a, on a mobile panel there so this was I think part of um, part of the announcement of, of the Couchbase conference with allowing you to um, use Couchbase on, on your mobile devices. Um, and there's also a, a function called uh, JSON Anywhere. So you can basically store your JSON data within within this database and then load that back out so you can save everything as JSON um, storage and then basically pull that back in and have a really uh, low latency over the wire with, with the data that you want to save and and, and retrieve from, from your database. So really nice to see. Um, some of the other components that I, I really like, um, there's one by Jonathan Dick, who we mentioned from the Gone, um, Gone Mobile podcast, and it's called Eggs2Go. Um, so if you're ever building an app and you want to add in some Easter eggs in there, um, you can use the Konami code. So up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, and then BA start normally, but this one's tap, tap. Um, and you can kind of add in kind of whatever you want as as an Easter egg for your for your users. And this component works on iOS and Android. And it's just a really easy way of kind of adding this functionality. You, you basically, you have a callback, and you basically say whenever someone does anything, you can run this Easter egg. Um, really easy to integrate, and a, you know another really fun uh, component that's up on the store. So um, I like to see lots of different. Uh, Easter eggs in your apps. I'm going to be basically doing the Konami code on uh, on every single um, app that I I use now, especially John's apps, uh, to see see what that Easter egg is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's really great to see all the new components for Android and iOS that are getting up in the component store. At first, there wasn't that many, but now I think we're over a hundred. So there's a whole bunch of components in there. Uh, and remember, you can submit your own. It can be. Uh, a C-sharp library, it can be an SDK, it can be a control that you bound from Objective-C, so pretty much anything, uh, and you can submit your own components, so I think you can find that on the components.xamarin.com website as well at the top right, so if you're interested in maybe making a component paid or free, uh, there's an opportunity for you. 
Very nice. Very nice. So uh, we mentioned a lot of different articles on, on the show. Um, what you might not know is there's a website called planet.xamarin.com. So planet as in Mars or, or Jupiter. Um, and so basically it's a, it's a community list of um, Xamarin written articles and also other articles that may not even be Xamarin related, but it's people who are in the Xamarin community. Um, and you want to check out that website. And I think there's, there's an RSS feed that you can um, sign on to. And also that you can, um, there's a Twitter account for it called Planet Xamarin. Um, that you can follow and it will tweet whenever there's a new article up on planet.xamarin.com. So if you don't have a RSS feeder or you just like having your articles come through on Twitter, then you can follow that account as well. And that's a really great way of finding articles as they come out. I know we mentioned a lot of them on the show um, because most of them are really great articles. Um, so definitely check out that. I just want to thank you again for joining us for this third episode of the Xamarin Podcast. And we'll be back with you again in about two weeks. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.